0: So, as we've already touched on today, as I talked about a little bit, and Chrissy talked about, and Kevin, and Paulette, all of us kind of hit on it, Uh, again, the second week of Advent is all about the theme of peace. We started Advent last Sunday uh, looking at the theme of hope through the lens of some scripture that we found out of Paul's book of Romans. So, we're going to look again back to uh, Paul's letter there to the church in Rome to discover what this idea of peace really looks like. More specifically, we're going to be talking about the idea of peace within the community of believers, within the community of the church. So it's a short scripture from Romans chapter 15, it's going to be verses 4 through 7, then we're going to jump down to uh, verse 13. I'm going to read that first and then we'll, then we'll get into it. So Romans 15, starting in verse 4. Paul writes, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Fifteen, thirteen. May the God Paul writes. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and with all peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the word of God for the people of God. Uh, Lord, I just leave that verse four through seven up there for the service, if you don't mind. I'm going to be going back to it periodically. So you can see in these verses that Paul continues to talk about the idea of hope. You see that hope, that word hope. Uh, mentioned several times in those in those verses as well, uh, and, uh, just as like we did last week uh, with, with similar verses. The hope that Paul is talking about is the hope that we have through the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus's birth that was described throughout the Old Testament. These guys got to experience that firsthand, and he's also talking about that hope that we talked about last week, which is the hope and the assurance that we have in the second coming of Christ, in the return of Christ, when Jesus will come back, when creation will be be made new, when creation will be brought to its fullness, and everything will be remade and finalized just how God intended in the beginning. And we got a glimpse of what that newness is going to look like. We got a glimpse of what that new creation is going to look like as well when I quoted to you that verse from Revelation chapter 21. Let me, re- let me re- repeat that just for, our, uh, just for the sake of our memories. God dwelling, it says, it's a verse again in Revelation 21, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be there and he will be their God. He will wipe away, this is my favorite part of the verse, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, there will be no more mourning, there will be no more crying, and there will be no more pain. The old order... Of things has passed away, I think that's one of the most beautiful pieces of scripture in the entire Bible, and that's what we have to look forward to. That's the hope that we talked about last night, because we have that assurance, just as the early Christians did uh, uh, in the birth of Christ, and they got to experience that. One day, we're going to get to experience being a part of this new creation. Again, that's the hope that we still live into. It's the hope that we uh, we live into even though we are still shrouded in darkness. It hadn't gotten here yet. Creation today is still shrouded in sin. Creation today is still shrouded in death. So what do we do in the meantime? In the meantime, we live as people who are already living within that reality of the new creation. We live as God's agents. We live as God's ambassadors to the world around us. We live as people who exercise that radical grace, that radical mercy, that radical forgiveness that we talk about so much here at uh, Bemis United Methodist. We, Christians, and I said this last week, and I think it's just something we all should remember and something we should all ground ourselves in. We, Christians, disciples, followers of Jesus, we are the first glimpse of what is to come in the future when Jesus' reign is made complete. So when people see us out there, when people see us outside the church, they see the way that we operate. They see the way that we think, the way that we speak, the way that we act. Good or bad, folks, <laughs> hopefully it's towards the good. They get to, We get to be the first glimpse of that new creation and what that world's going to be like. Hopefully we're people of hope, we're people of peace, we're people of love and mercy. But we get to be that. I think that's so cool. I think that's so humbling. I think that's such an awesome gift to us is that we get to show people what the kingdom of God really looks like. One way that we do this is by being people of peace, which is Paul's primary message here in the Scriptures today. Like I said, Paul is specifically in these Scriptures um, addressing the idea of living peaceably among our brothers and sisters, people in, inside, inside the church, people within the wider Christian community, whether it's our local church or the global church uh, throughout the world, throughout history, how we're called to be a people of peace. Last week when we read our scriptures on hope, Paul concluded those, the, the end of those scriptures with these words. He said, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, had, y'all happen to remember that? I should have I put it up on a slide this morning, but I didn't think to do it. But when we were talking about Paul's admonition, or, or telling us um, about the hope that we have in the return of Christ, just as we had the, had the hope of the birth of Christ, and how we are called to live as kingdom people, like I just said, being those ambassadors, being those agents. He concluded that with this. He said, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves. In other words, become like Jesus. Consider Jesus to be your greatest example, your best example. Learn to embody Christ through your thoughts, through your words, through your actions, through your attitudes, through your in particularly through your relationships. Allow God to fill you with that spirit of Jesus and the work of transforming grace that he so wants so much to work inside of our hearts so that we may reflect the mind and the heart of Christ. We clothe ourselves with Christ, with Jesus, just like we physically get dressed every morning. Every day we choose whether or not we're going to do that. We choose whether or not we're going to spiritually clothe ourselves with Christ or if we're just going to go our own way. Clothing ourselves with our own opinions, clothing ourselves with our own desires, clothing ourselves with our own way of being. And I'm going to tell you, church, and this is going to be somewhat repetitive if, you're, if, you're, if you happen to be a, a regular tender here at Bemis, but becoming like Christ and clothing yourselves, clothing ourselves, in Christ, there's 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 only one way to really do that, and it's not something that I can teach you. As a matter of fact, it's not something that anybody on this earth, past or present, can teach you how to do. We do this through learning, and it's all individual. We do this through learning how to surrender ourselves to Jesus, and that's such an important word, surrender. All of these commands of Jesus, all of these admonitions that Paul gives us. all all, all the stuff that we see in the New Testament, the Old Testament, all these virtues, many of them, if not most of them, just don't come naturally to us. And if we try to do these things, if we try to become these things through our own willpower, through our own will, all that's going to happen is we're going to wind up getting frustrated and mad at ourselves. We talked about that a lot. We talked about that in great detail a couple months back when we were going through our sermon series on the good and beautiful God. So we can fight that spirit that dwells within us, and we can choose to go through life as we best see fit, or we can learn to surrender to that spirit. That's how we become clothed in Jesus. And y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all, y'all, y'all. It, it, we go through this stuff every day. We may not realize it in the moment, but looking back, we can, we can recognize these moments every 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 day of our lives when we feel like. We're being, we're being pulled in a certain direction to handle a certain situation one way, and we either, which we know is the way of Christ, which, by the way, goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, is the way that I'm choosing to go, reflecting the love of God and or the love of Jesus, or love of people. It seems pretty simple, right? Not always an easy decision to make. But we go through these situations every day, probably multiple times a day, where we make a decision, and something inside of us, which we call the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, points us in one direction and we make that choice. Am I going to do this or am I going to do this? Am I going to surrender to that spirit that I know good and dang well is talking to me? Or am I going to choose my own way? We all do it. The key to being clothed in Christ, the key to becoming like Christ in our minds, our hearts, our words, our actions, etc. It's all about that surrender, folks. It's all about that surrender. Surrender is the key To all spiritual growth. Period. Learning to surrender to the Spirit of Jesus is the key to all spiritual growth. It ain't trying harder. It's not mustering our willpower. It's something that each of us have to learn and cannot be taught. But I'm going to tell you, once you experience it, you'll understand it. And you'll be able to plainly see how God can transform our thinking and our whole way of being. So i talk about surrendering and, and, and how we become like Christ um, to point out some other stuff in our, in our scriptures today. And particularly about how we live in peace and how we become people of peace. If you look back there in verse 6, Paul calls us, he calls the church to be of one mind and one voice so that we might glorify God. One mind and one voice so that you might glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unity, togetherness, is a form of worship that glorifies God. Then in verse 7, he tells us to accept one another, to accept people just as Christ has accepted you. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to praise God. Living in peace with one another, accepting people wherever they happen to be in life, brings praise to God, Paul says. So what's the opposite of all that? What's the opposite of unity? Disunity, disharmony, division, harsh judgment, rejecting others. You don't belong here. That type of thing. Those are the exact opposite. So if peace, unity, and acceptance of people are things that bring praise and glory to God, what do these opposing attitudes do? Sure. Exact opposite. They dishonor God and they bring shame to the church. So how do we become this? How do we become these people? How do we become these churches that exude these qualities of peace, of unity of acceptance we look back to verse 5 Paul actually prays these words he says may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had here's another good way to understand those words May God clothe you with the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound familiar? Paul seems to be giving us a pretty repetitive, I think Paul thinks we're kind of stupid, and he keeps telling us the same thing over and over again. I'll say that, it'll be funny. But there's a reason he's repetitive about this stuff. Clothe yourselves in Christ. Be of the same mind. Have the same attitude toward each other that Christ Jesus had clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ now check out verse 6 why may God give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus Christ had. why so that so that with one mind and one voice you make glorify the God of our Lord Jesus Christ so that you might become these things See why I pointed all that out now? Clothe yourself in Christ. How do you put it? May God give you the same attitude of mind toward each other so that with one mind, when you're clothing yourself in Christ, you are clothing Christ. This is the result. Am I making sense now? Head nods. Head nods, yes, or head nods, no all right thank you putting on dressing ourselves in Jesus dressing ourselves in the spirit of Jesus allows us to become these people of peace these people of love these people of grace these people of mercy these people of unity these people of acceptance and we put on the clothes of Jesus through surrendering to that spirit it's a simple thing but man is it not easy Church, my hope and my prayer for you, my hope and my prayer for myself, <clears throat> my hope and my prayer for Bemis United Methodist, my hope and my prayer for the church worldwide is that we will absolutely be imbued with this desire to surrender ourselves 100% to the Spirit of Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but I want to become these things. And y'all have heard me say this before, church. I want to become these things. I want to become. I don't want to just talk about it. I, just don't want, I don't want to just preach about it on Sundays. I want to become peace. I want to become joy. I want to become love. I want to become hope for y'all, for every life that I have the honor of being able to touch in some way, shape, or form. But I can't do that in and of myself, and I know good and well I can't do that. It requires surrender. And that's what we all have to do if we're ever going to expect to get to these points. we got to put aside every every, every hint of ego, every hint of self-centeredness. And I can't tell you how to do that because I have a hard enough time doing it myself. But that's my prayer. I believe that's Paul's prayer for us. And that is his prayer. He actually prays this right here. I believe that's the prayer of Christ. I, <laughs> I've said this so many times. I don't think Jesus and Paul talk about becoming these things just because they want to waste their breath. I believe they actually meant the things that they said. They actually meant and hoped that the church of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago would become these things. They believed it so much that 11 out of the 12 of the original disciples died because of it. They believed it wholeheartedly. And I believe wholeheartedly that we can become these things. But it all comes back to that one word absolute surrender, 100% selling out. Peace doesn't come naturally to us, unity doesn't come naturally to us, disharmony comes pretty natural to us, arguing comes pretty natural to us, being defensive. Comes pretty naturally to us. This stuff doesn't come naturally to us. It literally requires a work of God. And the only way that we are able to respond to that work of God is through that simple, simple word, but not so easy practice of learning to surrender to that spirit. And you've got him, folks. You know? That's one of the promises that we have. If we, if, we, if, we, if we believe wholeheartedly that we are Christians, that we're followers of Christ, that Christ is our Lord, Christ is our Savior, we already have the Holy Spirit residing inside of us. That's crazy, right? The promise that we have, it's the assurance that we have. It's there. Some of y'all might call it your conscience. It's the Spirit of Christ talking to us, directing us, pointing us. We get to choose which way we're going to go. Can, I, uh, can somebody go get the kids... So one of the ways that we practice unity and peace, one of the ways that we do that in the body of Christ is through this sacrament, this thing that we do that was instituted by Christ that we call communion. Some people call it the Lord's Supper. Some people call it the Eucharist. And when we do the communion together, when we receive the Lord's Supper together, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on there. There's a whole lot of stuff that we do as one, bonded together as one people, as a unified church. We confess our sins together. We confess together our inability and our failure to live up to God's standards. We receive forgiveness together. Not just this person, not just this Jerry kneeling down in a corner somewhere, somewhere asking for God's forgiveness. That's something so special. All of us receive that forgiveness together as one body of Christ. And we experience the grace of God. Through receiving this holy meal. That's that, that's one thing that we believe in so much in the Methodist Church. That's why we, we hope and we want every person who wants to come receive communion to do so. Because we believe that God works through it. We believe that Jesus is present with us during this time. And we believe that we believe that receiving the bread and the wine, the bread and the juice are a grace of God. That's an act of unity. And that's my prayer for Bemis. That's my prayer for the church worldwide, is that we become a living example through surrendering, through giving up of ourselves, and becoming, not just talking about it, but through actually becoming a people, individuals, and a people, a church, that exudes this virtue of peace.